So I find myself today at Coventry Council House. The idea of this episode is to look at money. I'm really pleased to have with me today Councillor Richard Brown, who's the finance lead at Coventry to Council, and Paul Jennings, who's a senior finance officer at the council. And what we're going to do today is take a look at finances, at budget, at council tax, where the money is spent that we all pay our bill each month, and take a look at why the council makes certain decisions. So let's start first about how the council does receive money. Um, I'm sure there's various ways and various income streams, but just give me a bit of an idea about where that's coming from. Yeah, I can, I can, I can start with that. Well, first and foremost, people will understand that they pay some council tax. Um, that comes to us. Um, also, we get business rates. Um, that comes to us as well. Um, and we also get grants, various grants for, for schools, uh, for all sorts of things. And that eventually is, is funded via the taxpayer, but it comes from central government. Um, in addition to that, we get commercial income. Um, and that's probably about it. Is there anything you'd add? So what percentage of our... Um, income comes from council tax, for example. So, in in the region of twenty five percent of our income comes from council tax and twenty five percent from business rates, broadly speaking. So that you know the rest will be made up of these specific grants from government and you know fees and charges and dividend income, etc. So we we touched upon the various different taxes, but give me an idea of the difference between something like income tax that is taken out of your income through your salary um, and then national insurance that is the same, and then council tax. Just give me a a quick overview of the the different kinds of tax there are. Okay, well, obviously income tax is exactly what it is. It's it's a tax on what you earn. Um, National insurance is a contribution that we made, and actually I'm very fortunate now because I'm a pensioner, so I don't pay. Well, actually I will be paying the 1.25% new tax that's coming out from April the 6th, etc. Um, and council tax is is a contribution, and, it, and it's done basically on households. It's it's quite an archaic formula, because I think it goes right back, I'm looking at Paul now, but it's about 1991 property values that sort of bans a house between, I think, the, the lowest is band A, and it goes through to band E, or is it F? G. G, is it? Oh, my God. So the most expensive houses will be in band G. Um, so you, and your council tax is basically calculated in relation to the value of your property as it was in 1991. So we'll look into a bit more detail about how that council tax is spent locally. But, Paul, give us an idea of then how much budget the city council receives. So in, in total, if we, if we look at all of the various levels of um, income... The council's total gross spend and income is in the region of £750 million. Now, out of that, um, the council receives um, almost £200 million for the city schools, and we just hand that money straight over to the schools. So we don't control that money in any way. Um, and there's also um, getting towards £100 million which goes out on, council, on um, housing benefit. So, again, we don't really control that. We, we have to... Um, issue that to people who receive um, housing benefit. So, in reality, the, the amount of money that we actually control and spend in one year is in the region of four hundred and fifty to five hundred million pounds. That's our day-to-day expenditure. Can I just make a comment as well? Because I think it's important to understand. It's we talk about core funding, and it's almost like you work, and every month or every week you get a salary. 
That's your core spending power. For us at the council, since 2010, that's gone down by half. So the amount of money that we receive in terms of a salary that we can choose, if you like, to spend how we want to spend it since 2010 has been halved. And that equates to about £120 million a year, less than what we had in 2010. Some of that has been made up by external grants or government grants. Um, So we haven't lost all that in actual fact. But the problem then becomes is that we never know when those grants are going to come. We have to apply for them. There's a bidding process. Some of those only last for one, two or three years. So it's really hard to be able to have any long-term or medium-term planning. And each of those grants, if you want to do something, you've got to bid for it. Then you've got to plan out what you've got to do. Then you've got to resource it. Then you've got to have an exit strategy for when you end. And the burden, the additional administration workload that creates is quite enormous. So if you sort of think of it, it's almost like your, your monthly salary has been halved. And you're having to go out and find other bits of income as and when you can do it. And that's the, that's the environment that we're working in. Yeah, and even someone myself who is a small business owner, those applying for grants is not a copy and paste job. Each one has to have individual criteria that you have to try and meet. So yeah, so I get that applying is something, it's, sometimes it could be a dead end and sometimes it could be, but you have to put that effort in either way. That's absolutely right. I mean, we've just had a round of the um, levelling up funding as such, but I don't think we got anything out of that, Paul, did we? We weren't yeah. category A. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, whether that is politically decided, I suspect it probably is, but then I'm a cynical old git, so that's probably just my view on this one. But what it does, it's really hard to be able to have any medium-term and longer-term planning because you never know where the next pound is coming from. So there was a graph that was in one of your previous annual reports which was really useful to look at the expenditure. And something that really caught me by surprise is the huge amount or the percentage which was going towards adult social care, children's services, early years and childcare, and then schools, as you talked about. Um, is that all about supporting our people, our citizens? Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. Um, I guess it's one of those things that um, you know most of us never really come across on a day-to-day basis. But actually, you know, we we spend um, it upwards of two hundred million pounds supporting vulnerable children in our society and vulnerable adults in in the city um, through our social care services. So, and of course, you know, we we don't see this on a day to day basis, but it's absolutely fundamental to the work we do, keeping these people safe, because there are you know a number of vulnerable people out there, and it's you know it, it's difficult because you know we we'll, we will see services that are provided um, in terms of street cleaning and the parks etc but actually that's a tiny proportion of the amount of money um, that we spend on social care yeah i always um i have this thing called the rule of thirds that you can apply to a lot of things in life and i apply it to this and when i talked about your core salary earlier on basically a third of that goes on adult social care a third of that goes on children's services and the other third get stretched over everything else yeah and i think from an outsider looking in i think there's lot there's been lots of work on adult social care and children's care and um, is that something that looks then to what i guess maximize the impact the return on investment yeah i guess you know on a day-to-day basis we we are constantly in different services looking at the best way of 
spending the, the budget that we've got. Um, I guess it's quite difficult in some of these services because they are specific individual tailored services to individuals. There's actually quite a limit to the degree to which you can make yourself more efficient. It's about, you know, one-on-one contact quite often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there is, like I say, there are limits to how much we can make that more efficient. And what we're also finding in some areas, children's services especially, is that the demand for those services has gone up very significantly in recent years. And is that due to um, growing population or a need for those services in the existing population? So it's a mix of things. I mean, Coventry has become a much bigger city in the last few years. So our population overall has expanded. We are also a young city. So we will, you know, um, in relative terms, we'll have more younger people than cities of a similar size to us. Um, And I just think there's probably more things happening in society um, because this this has been an issue across the whole of the country. So, you know, the, the way society has developed has meant that there are, for whatever reason, more vulnerable people now needing support. Um, so Councillor Brown mentioned around stretching that budget. Um, has one of those ways been some of the commercial work that's been taking place in the city? Um, yes, it has. Uh, I just want to touch on, just before you do that, what you're talking about. Those services that we talked about, it's one of the things I didn't quite understand, but I've been a sort of a councillor now since 2014. I did not understand the breadth of services that the council offers. It's something like 700 individual services. The breadth of it is quite amazing with that. And so it becomes a huge challenge to us. So, and, and Paul's absolutely right. I think the, um, the census numbers for 2001 were that the population was about 305,000. I think we're now, um, although we haven't had the 2021 numbers, we're probably about 370-odd thousand. It's, the increase has been enormous. And, and the pressures that that bring has also grown. So one of the things we've looked at as well is, is see if we can have commercial opportunities that... When I talked about that salary has decreased, what are the ways that we've been able to invest in things that give us an annual income that we're not relying on central government's whim to give us a grant, etc. And we've we've done that. Um, And we've also invested from a capital point of view. And I think from memory, I was having a look the other day that our capital programme over the last five years is, is enormous. It's been bigger than Bristol which is a much bigger place, et cetera. And I think that sort of says the, the, um, the size of ambition that Coventry's got. And I think when you look at what's happened in the central, the upper precinct, there's sort of 40 odd million that's been invested into there. The station that's just opening there because there's a, a factory around Coventry, I think is the fastest growing railway station outside of London. And it wasn't fit for purpose. So there's been a massive 90 million pound investment into that. You see also in that area, Frygate 2, another major investment in there. Um, and I have to say that on that capital programme, just so people understand, that's, that's not all their money. About 80% of that, and I'm looking at Paul now, I think, is externally funded from a variety of sources. Some of it will be our money and some of it will be our money that we have borrowed. But the vast majority of that, big 80%, is money that we've been really good getting in from external sources so some of that commercial so you mentioned some of the the kind of the building side how about something like tom white i think that was a commercial thing a few years ago yeah um 
Actually, I think because we've got quite a good sort of history in waste um, with the Solihull Waste Disposal Company, with that, that's operated for some years now. And one of the things that I think Coventry's done very well and I'm very keen on is that we haven't invested in things we don't know anything about yet. I am aware of other local authorities that have invested in um, high streets and and housing schemes at the other end of the country that they can't control. With us here, I'm really keen that we only invest in things that we know, that we understand, and that are close to people here. Um, so we've invested in Coom Abbey, and I go there a lot, and there's a lot of local people use that park. Yeah, we've invested in Tom White Waste because we quite understand what that market is. Um, we've got the materials recycling facility, which is being built now. So there's a pretty good understanding of where we are with that. And I'm always keen that we, if we are going to invest money, that it's in stuff that we know, can touch and understand. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I think for people on the ground or citizens of the city who don't necessarily know that budgets have been cut over the past few years, do you appreciate and understand when there's things like potholes or there's things that they think should be funded? Um, yeah, no, so it's what's the name? Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's a tricky one. But, 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 all, but in terms of when people see things on the ground that don't feel are up to the standard that they think it should be and we'll use the phrase that's what my council tax should pay for is it a challenge then to juggle that kind of day-to-day stuff plus the commercial side yes it is it's always a challenge in anything because as i said you've got you've got 700 services and and i think just this last year we've had to put an extra or find an extra 5.5 or 5.4 million pounds to put into children's services because the demand Mm. continues to grow on that and that's something that's really hard for us to control that demand. But we still have a responsibility and we want to look after our kids and we will never shirk away from that. So it's, it's a question of trying to find that money. There's also pressures like every other household we're, we're facing because um, inflation is running at, what, 5.5%? Um, our element of council tax were not 1.9%. So we know we've got existing pressures with that just because of inflation. So we always have to look at, and we never stop with this, that we're always looking at how we can manage every single pound that we spend. We're robust on our controls because that's what we have to be. I, I could never sort of sit here and say that, yeah, we've got every single thing right. Over 700 services, that simply won't happen. But we, we, we focus and we have an ethos and a culture of robust trying to manage every pound that we spend. I'm really conscious that the people out there are the same as me. If I drive down the road and I see big potholes, it, it really upsets me and the state of the payments upsets me. Um, it is really key for us. But if I'll give you an example, we've, we've just invested in a machine uh, from JCB, it's £200,000, it's a pothole pro buster. And the reason we've done that, and the reason we're one of the first councils in the country to go and get one of these, is because it fixes potholes in five times as fast as it did before. That allows us then to switch the resource that we save onto the pavements. So it's really important to us to fix those potholes, to fix those pavements, and we can try and do it in the fastest possible way 
And one of the reasons we do it is to try and find innovative ways to do that. And we're always pushing to do that. Which I guess then is why year on year we continue to see improvements because we've front loaded some of that spending up front for innovation, which then has long term benefits. Yeah, it, it never stops. And I think what has been a significant change for me since sort of 2014 coming on is that the whole culture of this council has changed in that it's constantly looking to do things differently, change things, be innovative. We're not afraid to change. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I think that's certainly something that I've seen over the last six or seven years. I was going to come in there, Aaron. I I think it's really important. And and this is difficult. and, And I confess, I don't think I used to do this. I think it's really important for us to take a long term view on what the council is here to do. And um, one of the most important things we can do is to help to create local economic prosperity. Um, and that means trying to attract um, employers who provide good employment opportunities for the people of the city. Now, to do that, what we've got um, is, is people within the council who spend a lot of time talking to employers, trying to attract them here and trying to convince them that Coventry is a place for them to come and do business. And one of the ways we've been able to do this in the last, you know, and it, it really is the last 10 or 15 years, is actually make the city more attractive. So actually, if you know that the face of the city has completely changed in that time, um, the city centre has been completely revamped. We've attracted um, far more restaurants, for, for instance, to the city. You know, people in Coventry will know that, you know, 15 years ago, there weren't that many places places to go out. And now actually the city is completely different in that respect. Um, and these things actually make a difference to employers. And as a result, and as a result of, of the work, all the infrastructure work that's been done on roads, um, all the work um, in terms of planning, with, you know, with um, schemes like UK BIC and the, the Gigafactory where, where, you know, planning is now um, starting to be looked at. Um, you know, the council's played a significant role in this. And what that means is that there will be better job opportunities um, for people in the city and that will improve people's life chances. And one of the things we, we've seen um, that the last time, that we, we, every three years we get um, statistics on deprivation and the, the last set of um, statistics we got, Coventry was one of, if not the fastest improving city in the country in terms of its levels of deprivation um, and what that means is if we've got you know more prosperity in the city um, there's a there's you know the, the 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 fact of the matter is that means there's a lower demand on council services and we are then able to spend our money in slightly different ways so it's a, it's it's it, it's really difficult to understand and accept but actually it's really important that we continue to invest in some of these longer term things and not always spend money on on very short term fixes like potholes so that's really interesting in terms of the employ the employability side talk me through then i know we're talking a longer game here so starting from now if the city becomes a better place for employees and employers what what does that benefit look then over the next few years well i i I think we'll see um you know better infrastructure across the city um, we'll see um, hopefully a more vibrant city centre and you know that there's very significant plans to develop city centre south and you know continue to attract some retail although you know that, that everyone knows that um, you know big city centre retail is probably 
um, not going to look like it, it used to do, but actually will attract more um, more restaurants, more leisure activities into the city. Um, we're seeing some of that already, and I think that will continue. Um, hopefully, will you know, you know, the, the plans on on the Gigafactory. If you know, if that all comes to fruition, that will create a very significant employment opportunity, and there will be that that in itself will also attract. Um, the supply chain, other other employers to the city, so it's it can be a virtuous circle in, in that respect, and the council is absolutely key to helping to make that happen. And how do we um, compare to other cities, um, other places in the city, in terms of their financial management? Um, I'm not sure who wants to take this one. Well, yeah, if I could just come in there as well, I'll go on to the financial bit in a, in a second or so. But one of the other things I just wanted to sort of mention, and Comfrey's done it really well from. Being able to connect to broadband, um, there is a measurement that Ofcom, Ofcom issue a league table every quarter and it sort of ranks places in the UK as to how good they are, what their fibre connections are, what their broadband connections are and the place that sat at number two on that league table is not Bristol, Manchester, London, Leeds, Birmingham, it's Coventry. Yeah, we're almost number one. That hasn't happened by luck or chance. Effectively, we embarked on a, a plan probably four or five years ago to disrupt the market. City Fibre came into the city. Um, I've invested something like £70 million on this. So they've laid the infrastructure. That kick-started BT to also do some work and Virgin Media. Now, people out there will think, oh, yeah, because... They've, we've all had them digging up the pavements, etc., down our street. But what it's able to do is to sort of say, if you're looking to expand your business um, or set up a business, you actually don't need to be in London because you're only an hour away from London here in Coventry. You're closer to Manchester. You're closer to, to Birmingham. Yeah, you've got the, the motorway networks around here. You've also got an incredible skill set here in Coventry with two universities and Coventry University has had a sort of a massive expansion over the last few years. So the skills are here, the infrastructure is here. So, and that's part of what the council can do to try and make sure those building blocks are here to attract industry. Um, sorry, and I forgot, oh, you were talking about other councils. Now, let me, sorry, I'm hogging the microphone a little bit here, but it, it was back end of last year, I attended a local government association course and it was at Warwick University. And it was for people like me, um, and council leaders. And it was a two-day course at Warren University. I was staggered how far ahead we were in terms of the financial management. There were many other councils who were sat in that room who were talking about how they were having to make 40, 50, in some cases, £60 million pounds worth of service cuts last year, 21-22. I know of councils not that far away from here and now we're going to make £57 million of service cuts next year as well. And we've done a lot of that already. So it's, it's no accident that we're not having to do that. And it's no accident that I stood up two weeks ago for about... And John Mutton before me has been able to do it and say, we've balanced our budget with no further cost of services. It's not just happened through luck that we're able to do that. Because I think it's something we didn't say right at the start, but... It is illegal for us to do anything other than a balanced budget. There is a law that says you can't do that. 
Yeah, so if we ever try to do that, then basically you'd be going bust and the government would send people in to, to make those cuts for you. So we have to balance that budget every single year. And we've managed to do it um, for four or five years now. I'm looking at Paul without any further cuts to service. It gets harder every year because our core funding is less. And so that's something else that we didn't touch on. Well, one of the... The 20 lowest councils in this country for core funding. That bit I talked about earlier, which is your salary. So all the things that we've achieved here and the de- deprivation levels that we've, we've managed to improve, we're doing that as one of the lowest core funded councils in the country. So is that because of some of the work we've been doing along the way? So a bit of backstory for me. So I used to work for the NHS and I started a side business that started doing well. And then what that meant was when I wasn't happy at the NHS, I was able to leave that job because I had this side business that was doing well. So is that almost similar to how you're talking there around the work that you've done in the past is now starting to bear fruit, which means that even though services are being cut, we're fortunate to have those other businesses that are propping that up? Yes, I mean... I've been a councillor since 2014 and I have to say those early two to three years were some very traumatic meetings where we've sat in a room and debated and argued about what services that we're going to have to cut. Yeah, I never really want to do that again. It was a horrific exercise, but we've done that. We've, we've changed the way that we operate. We've made significant um, operational changes taken some hard, tough choices at some hard, tough times that has allowed us to keep going with this. And again, it's my number one priority every single year is to try and balance that budget without having to make service cuts. And that includes this year having to face those inflationary pressures that I talked about and having to find an extra five and a half million pounds for children's services because that's where we want to spend our money. We're not going to let our kids down. Well, and even more so, the fact that the last two years, everybody has faced pressures. And as a council, tell me how that's um, impacted your management of finances due to COVID. Um, I guess uh, Coventry, like lots of other councils, has been fortunate in that, you know, the government has provided um, very significant amounts of money to support um, costs that have been incurred as a result of COVID. Um, I think I would say that we have tried very hard to manage that money from government as effectively as we can. So, you know, make sure in the early days that we didn't um, we didn't fritter it away too quickly and, and, you know, continue to look at the best way of spending that money. And, you know, if there were um, ways in which we could um, just manage the expenditure carefully, um, then we, you know, we've done that. So we've protected those resources as best we can, um, and you know, we continue to have s- some small amounts left now that we can just manage. Hopefully, um, the, the sort of the, the last remaining legacy costs of COVID. Also, Aaron, I mean, part of the approach both during COVID and now looking forward to to the next phase, um, what we've tried to do is work as closely as we can with other partners in the city, and they are absolutely key to working with us and delivering the best services for the people of Coventry and, and making the money run a bit further. Um, if we can work hand in hand with them, then you know that's, that's nearly always the, the most efficient way of delivering services. So it's really key to us 
to and you know and we don't always get this right um, but it is really key for us to try and work with those partners as best we can give me a couple of examples perhaps um so i, I think um for instance during covid um when um you know we started uh, identifying the need to distribute food resources um we we worked with a number of organisations across the city who are absolutely amazing in terms of the, the food banks and you know, and by, by just joining up with them rather than competing with them or, or ignoring them, you know, we were able to, to make sure that um, resources were, were distributed as quickly and as efficiently as possible. I think that's, that's a really good point. It, was, it wasn't just all of a sudden, oh, the council needs to set up some food banks, etc., and try and do it. It was... It, it was other people doing it who knew knew how to do this probably better than we did, and what we were like was a, a helper, and and that was in, that was important to know that we weren't trying to do it ourselves. There were some smart people out there doing it far better, and as Paul said, did an amazing job, and still are, because it, it's the other side to this is we are really aware that it's tough out there. The cost of living is a real crisis. We all know about energy bills. Um, is it £1.60 a litre now for petrol? It's got £1.70 something for diesel. We know we've got national insurance increases to come on board. So it, it is really, really tough for people out there. And that's why I think we, we, we're very conscious that they're going to need every single one of those 700 services that we've got. So you know, we're very much aware of that. It was my next question was around, no, 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 it's in it, it, what the next couple of years is going to look like. I think it's going to be tough. We all recognise it's going to be tough as citizens, but as well, is the council going to face similar kind of pressures? Yeah, and this is where you're going to have to shut me up because this is where the politics comes into play. Um, for, for years now, we've had what I call sticking plaster finance. Um, and I think you've seen evidence of that for the last two to three years. I go back to that issue where your salary has been cut by half. Um, and what the government appears to be doing is just applying bigger and bigger sticking plasters on top of existing sticking plasters. And the whole system needs a root and branch overhaul. That's been promised for how many years, Paul? Loads and loads, and it still hasn't happened. So we're still reliant on this archaic sort of council tax business rates, and and basically it's not fit for purpose. So it needs an overhaul, and that is part of our biggest challenge. Because when I look to the next year, we balance the budget for twenty two twenty three, but I really don't know what's going to happen the year after it, and we will not get any settlement numbers from the government. And it's normally the week before Christmas that we finally get those numbers. So it is really hard to be able to have any medium, medium term planning about what what we really want is, is the government to come along and say, this is your local government settlement and it's for three years, if not five years. So you can give some certainty to it. And we've got nothing like that. It is literally sort of one year where we sort of live in hand to mouth with that. And that, I see, is, is our one of, if not the biggest challenge. So in terms of the duty of the council to support its citizens, um, how will the council look to support people during what is going to be a tough time? Well, I mean, clearly we want to have the financial sustainability to continue to deliver the services that are on offer at the moment. Um, I guess responding to, to Councillor Brown's point about government funding, 
um, what we need to do as far as possible is to um, keep our own financial future in, in our own hands. Um, so, you know, we will continue to look at um, commercial approaches that we think can help to underpin the council's budget. Um, we, we will need to continue to look at the way we deliver our own services and try and make sure they are as efficient as they can be. And I think that point about working with other organisations will become um, more and more important as we go forward. And, you know, we, we started talking with our partners about what we call a, a one Coventry approach. So delivering services across the city, you know, as a collection of organisations, not just as the city council. Um, and, you know, that will be one of the ways, hopefully, that we are able to um, maintain our budgetary position on a, an even keel, if you like, um, and not suffer too much at the hands of, um, you know, reduced levels of funding from government. OK, cool. Thank you both for your time. I knew that this was always going to be a tricky subject that we could have spent two hours on, let alone half an hour. But I do appreciate both of your time and good luck with continuing to balance those books. <laughs>